Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This A's cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy end blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live, the final A's Cast Live from the field, because tomorrow we'll be up in the treehouse for happy hour. Joe Boyle, a big right-hander from Notre Dame, is going to be on the program right after batting practice. It's our once every year. We get Claywood once a year. He says, you get me once, you pick when it is, and we get him today, the great Claywood, who uh, Scott Emerson Let's be honest. They say this is arguably the best playing surface in all of baseball. Yeah, 100%. You look at this field, uh, the ground balls are true. Uh, it's just a, a beautiful place to come every day and, and uh, sit in the dugout and watch a great baseball game, and, and the field is outstanding. Well, this is the pitching coach for your Oakland Athletics, and he's going to lead us off today. Uh, congratulations on a season where – you taught your butt off, and I think people forget. We think of big league coaches as you guys roll the balls out, you walk around during batting practice, it's the big leagues. Guys don't need to be taught. There's not a lot of learning going on there. You sit behind the pitchers, you have sunflower seeds and watch bullpens. That's not how it goes. I've watched you, and I know a lot of people are not going to talk about it, but I've watched the effort. That's why I say congratulations because your effort this year and the amount of teaching that I've seen, so then the times at times too, out on the road, you put a lot of work in this year, and I just want to tell you, great job. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it, it's, uh, you know the guys are working their butts off, uh, and I got a lot of uh, you know, support around the, the organization from our analysts and uh, you know, the front office that you know, pretty much gives me the freedom to try to get these guys better each and every day. And, and our bullpen coach, Mike McCarthy, and Marcus Jensen, our, our, our catching coach, and, you know, the skipper, Kotze, Mark Kotze, who, you know, you know a lot, it's a lot of input. You know, it's just, you know, you, li- you got to listen. you got to be a good listener. you got to listen to the players. Uh, you know, you always tell them, I don't work for you, you don't work for me. We work together to get you to be the best pitcher that you can possibly be. And that's, you know, you know compiling the data, 
understanding them. I think that's the most important part. You don't want to be a drop down in their toolbar. And uh, you got to have the ability to let them speak and understand who they are, who they want to be, what they want to do, and then, you know, give them some uh, guidance to uh, what we think they are and what we think they should be doing, and then collaborate it out and, and bring the best out of everybody. And I, th I think next year is going to be the year we're really going to see what we're learning. You know, we, we can teach guys till we're blue in the face, but at the end of the day, it's how much they can process and how much they can learn. And then there's some guys you give big data to and big information to, and there's some guys you got to dummy it down a little bit. Doesn't mean they don't understand it. It just means that there's small pieces that they take. And, uh, you know, when you're building a pitcher, it's, it's really, you know, not about how to build them for quick instant success. It's, it's building them for long um, sustainability. Can they do this over the long haul? Can they build a routine? Can they throw quality strikes? Do they understand pitching? Do they understand how their ball moves? Who are you? I think that's one thing I, I like asking our guys sometimes, who are you? And let them give me the feedback. Yeah, how do you compete? How, I mean, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. Like, where do you fit? Right now, football's going on. Everybody talks about, you know, how big football is. Well, in the football world, where do you complement the offense? Where do you complement the defense? How do you help this team win? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And that's one of the things that when we sat here and talked to Shay Langoliers about all the different pitchers he's had to learn, well, that's all the different pitchers that you have to teach, that you have to make better. And you've got guys coming in and out and in and out. The great Mickey Morbido, our traveling secretary, has been on the phone with Southwest more than any traveling secretary ever. And he's, he's, he said this is the record amount of flights that I've ever booked. So what is it like dealing with all these pitchers and a lot of pitchers you don't even know how long they're going to be here? Well, it's no doubt that uh, our catching core, uh, Shea and Tyler and, and Carlos, they've had a real tough job because now they got to keep getting some pitchers and understanding what they like to do. And sometimes you don't even know what they're good at until they're here in the big leagues. You know, we, we get all their data and what they like to do in the minor leagues and who they are. But when they get to the big leagues, sometimes it changes. Sometimes it alters that, like, hey, you might need to throw more fastballs. You might need to throw more change-ups. You might need to throw more breaking balls. If you look at, uh, like, Luis Medina, we added a sinker to him this year. We added a slider to him this year. We've cut down on his walks uh, from the minor leagues to the big leagues. Um, and we're just trying to get him to throw more strikes and gain that success and that confidence. And then next year it's going to be a little bit more about the quality of those pitches. So, you know, you know, you know the famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? So, you know, you're, 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 you're just grinding it. Okay, can we do one thing at a time, you know? And I always talk about, you know, when you have big tech and you got a lot of data and you're throwing out, hey, can you do this? Can you bat whip your sinker? Can you can you front door your cutter? Those are Hall of Fame type pitches, you know. The the best in the world did that, but they did that over time. And right now with data, you know, guys are trying maybe to do a little bit too much too soon in their career. And right now, it's about just filling up the strike zone. Get strike one. Get strike one. Let's move on. And um, you know, I think it's very important that these guys first understand who they are first. They're building that foundation. They're building a repeatable mechanics. They're building who they are. And uh, you know, I was quoted the other day as, uh, you, "You can't you know decorate the in, inside of your house until you build the house, right? So you have to build that house before you can go put up the TVs and and put in the the, the unbelievable stove and all that stuff. So the guys have to understand who they are first. And once they understand who they are first and what they can do, then they can start adding. 
But I, I you know, I'm a true believer. You got to be able to throw strikes before you can start adding other things. So I can't decorate my home until I build the walls and the foundation. Yeah, yeah, because you don't know what it's going to look like. <laughs> you do know that in all these interviews, when you say Rome was not built in a day, we have all these drops in the postgame show. So when the callers call up and complain, we'll throw these things out there. When they because you know callers can be upset when we. Throw yeah, Rome wasn't built today. We play your drops all the time in the post game. Well, that's you good. speak knowledge. We play oh, your knowledge yeah. in the post game. Well, you know, um, you know, everybody, everybody has an opinion, which is awesome, and uh, you know, we just try to do the best we can. All right, biomechanics. We hear a lot about that in sports. If you watch a lot of golf, it re- really so much of the technology that we use today was stuff I, I talk about all the time, was was brought into golf years ago. And the reason why is because they're trying to sell clubs. That That's the business. You, you're trying to prove why the clubs work. So they, they, they've done a lot. They started using TrackMan in the 80s, for God's sakes. Baseball, you imagine trying to use TrackMan in baseball in the 80s? Well, I mean, my God. Well, what people don't really know and, and can't remember is uh, or don't know that uh, we had one of the first portable TrackMans in 2011, at Papago Park uh, in our bullpen, and we had it mounted, but it melted. <laughs> so it was one of those. It was early stages of the portable track man, and you, you just left it up overnight, and the pole and the and the track man part melted, and there went portable track man. You had to come up with a better idea. So you had track man 2011. 2011. We That's were using an early this te- adapter, as they would say. Yeah, we were using this technology. Uh, you know, it might have been 2012, but we, we we were using the technology at least 10 years ago. So you got the other day, you, you have your lab set up, and you got the cameras all around the pitcher, Edgetronics or whatever they're called. And, you know, we've talked about Rapsodos. We talk about ha- Hawkeye, all these different stuff. But now, forget metrics. We're looking at how the body moves. And we look at it from all different angles. And everybody's bodies tall, short, right, left. Everybody's <coughs> body moves differently and now the key is to find out for each player the body movement that helps throw them the ball the best. That's the new science we're in. We're not looking at sabermetric stuff anymore. So much of it's biomechanics, if you can kind of talk us through that. Well, you know, you know, I think uh, biomechanics too much has become a part of uh, uh, cookie cutting. I think when you think of biomechanics, too many people think of this is exactly how you have to do it. Where, in my opinion, biomechanics is this is how you do it. This is how we can help you do it efficiently or better. Everything works, you know, per se from the ground up. Shoulder to hip separation. You know, your, your pelvis is going to rotate. Then your trunk's going to rotate, and then uh, your elbow's going to go out, and then you're going to have uh, internal rotation of your of your shoulder to throw the ball forward. So those are the four major sequences to your pitching mechanics. Now, how fast does your pelvis move? How fast does your trunk move? How fast does your arm move? Those are other things that are measured as well. Then you have uh, what's called motor preferences. And uh, I've been big into studying motor preferences over the last four years. There's horizontal and vertical athletes. If you're trying to get a guy who's a vertical athlete to stay in the ground longer, you're doing him a disservice right? He works for more what we call bounce from the top to the bottom. But, you know, in, in today's world, uh, we're, we're only talking about one way, and that's from the ground up. That's not necessarily the case if you're looking at somebody's motor preference. And 
believe me, this stuff is going to pop out and, and be way better information over the next four years uh, than ever before. And uh, there's some great people out there that are motor preference experts and uh, that I've been learning from that understand that not everybody is a drop-and-drive type pitcher, that there are guys that are tall and fall. Everybody has their own style. Uh, yes, we're going to use the ground, but how do we use the ground? And what I mean by the aerial guys, they're called terrestrials and aerials. Terrestrials are guys that use the ground more. They're more rotated guys. And aerial guys are more vertical athletes. They're more up and down. They might have more of a, a jump out or a push, but they, they depend more on snap top to bottom rather than lower half. So, you know, everybody's going to have shoulder-to-hip separation. Some guys are going to have greater shoulder-to-hip separation than others. Some are going to move it faster than others and sequence it better than others. And some guys are going to have uh, what we call snap. And a lot of it depends on your thoracic spine, whether you're a high mobility mover or you're a low mobility mover yeah. in, in your thoracic spine. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can't have one guy who's supposed to be tall and fall, a tall guy. Look, I'm 6'6". Six, six. I live up. I see the strike zone way down. A six-foot pitcher is more on plane with the strike zone. He's going to be flattened out more. He's going to see the strike zone a little bit lower. He's probably going to be more terrestrial where I'm a guaranteed an aerial guy. I'm working more top to bottom. I'm depending on my, my spine and my snap and my finish more than my uh, shoulder-to-hip separation. So, you know, no one's really talking about this right now. But in Europe and in sports and especially soccer in Europe, most teams have a motor preference expert that uh, helps you identify what profile you are. And, and that's the next phase of baseball, in my opinion, that'll be here soon. Yeah, the whole thoracic spine thing, I had no idea until I started looking into it when I saw it being taught in golf lessons about how you turn around your lower spine, right, to help keep from getting a back injury. And we talk so much, it doesn't matter the sport, you can even go to hockey. When you saw when you see the guys, they wind up the stick. They're digging their 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 skates into the ice. They're using that they're using the ground, which is the ice. They're digging in the ice and firing the puck. So much power comes from leverage from the ground in all sports. But as you're saying, some guys use it differently, and I just wonder, it's hard to put like I'm not gonna put you and JP Sears in the same box because you guys are one guy shorter one guy's taller but do we see a consistency that shorter guys especially shorter hitters too they like mike trout so short and come back but you see how he leverages the ground with his legs the difference between basically shorter athletes and taller athletes yeah 100 percent. you know when you know look uh like i said i'm six six i don't want to do squats I don't want to put a lot of weight and bend all the way down. I got to go much farther than anybody else to, to attain a good squat, right? Doesn't mean I, I can't do it. It just doesn't, it means my body doesn't like to do it, right? So if you're putting your body in poor positions to throw the baseball, you're putting yourself at risk to not only uh, not be able to throw quality strikes, but, you know, put yourself at an injury risk as well. Wow, we just always thought you basketball guys were kind of lazy. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I love talking about this kind of stuff because it really is the new frontier. And I'm wondering how much of the biomechanics are also a part of how do we keep our guys healthy? Because the strategy of them throwing harder, but we're now going to have them throw less, isn't working. Guys are still getting hurt. Well, there's there's way more to, you know, how the body moves than just biomechanics. You know, the biomechanics, basically, a lot of it, too, is just – measuring the skeleton 
measuring how the skeleton is moving. Well, there's ligaments, there's tendons, there's fascia. There's a lot of things. There's muscles. There's a lot of things that we're not 100% on. But, you know, our biomechanist, Ethan Stewart, does a great job of, of using the information that we get and, and predicting, you know, a lot of stuff. And uh, he does a great job with it. So, you know, it's really good to have a biomechanist on staff that I can go and talk to and, and you know, we can collaborate on, on mechanics of, you know, if we keep doing this, the predictability could lead to injury. And then there's also, well, this guy is dominating the strike zone. You know, how much do we change somebody who, you know, you know obviously, you know, guys that throw really hard are at an injury risk, right? Yeah. You're not going to tell them, hey, stop throwing hard. You're just not going to do it. Now we're just going to, and if they're pounding the strike zone, it's hard to tell them, hey, stop throwing hard and pounding the strike zone. Your arm's late. But there are t there are guys that we're trying to work with to put them in better positions. Yeah, I think of the, the guy that's going to be the big question mark. And when I talk about your staff going forward, you know, I'm already, you know, J.P. Sears I want to get into. I think hitting the 30 start mark was huge for him, this organization, uh, in a lot of different ways. We'll get to that. And then you know about Paul Blackburn, and we're now looking at Medina. When we start talking about guys that can really help going into next year, we're going to have Joe Boyle on the show in a little bit. But I think about Mason Miller. It, it, it is it, a lot of teams, you draft a kid, his velocity's through the roof. He hasn't proven to stay healthy. How do you keep him healthy? We think he's a starter. I don't know if that's his future. Like, what are your thoughts on Mason Miller and, and – how do you get the most out of him to help you win games? And and the key to that is keeping him healthy. Yeah, I think that's, you know, that's what we're going to see over the next 10 days and what we're trying to evaluate over the last month of with him is getting him out, just getting him out there, first of all. And then we'll move into the offseason and see how the offseason rolls with him. And then we'll, we'll collaborate in spring training or before spring training to really set, you know, what what is best for Mason Miller. And that's a, you know, that's a conversation that we got to have with everybody in, in, in our baseball department. And, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, we're going to come up with the best plan for him, uh, not only for him, but for us to help us win baseball games. You know, I, I think about J.P. Sears, that, that 30 start mark, since we're not going to get a lot of innings now like we used to out of pitchers, I think that's huge. I think it's huge for J.P. I think it's huge to see it for the rest of the staff. I think it's huge for the minor leagues, minor leaguers. When he shows up to spring training, everybody's going to know, that guy started 30 games last year. Just talk about getting to that 30 start mark, what that means for J.P. Sears and the organization. Yeah, it's always great to see guys post up every time they can post up. And, uh you know, that's a testament to our strength and conditioning department led by Josh Cuffey and in our athletic training department, uh, Brian Schulman, uh, uh, Brad LaRosa and Jeff Collins uh, and Elliot. They're out there just, you know, grinding on these guys to keep them healthy or massage therapists. Uh, it, it's just, a, you know, it's a it's a total team effort to, to get this guy. And all starters who've done it, uh, you know, a few years ago, we, you know, of course we had three guys make every single start, and Bassett was the only one that didn't make every start because he got hit by the liner in Chicago. But that's what you want. You want to be able to send these guys out. You want them to be able to post up each and every day. Have they been feeling great every start? No. But that's what's called the big leagues, you know, workload management. Yeah, I like it. I understand it. And, you know, we know what it is. But being a big leaguer is being a guy that can post up every five days and start. Yes. And, and being a big leaguer is having relievers being able to be uh, uh, ready to pitch as often as possible. 
that's my definite. This guy's big league. He takes the ball when needed, and uh, that's what you want. All right, let's end on this. I know you got to get out of here. What will you say to everybody? Because this is the last time we're going to talk to you before the end of the season, which, by the way, I want it on record. You said before the start of the show you love the baseball playoffs. You know we do shows during the baseball playoffs, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You would like to be on a lot of those shows just to break down what's going on in the playoffs. I said I'd come on with you, Fanny. We, yes. we, we, we have it on audio. We have it on video. Uh, we're going to get you on a contract on that. All right. Sounds uh, good. What will you say? What do you, what's the message that you tell the guys heading into this offseason? Well, you know, next year we're expected to win. You know, we want to go out there and win. The the uh, training wheels are off. The the excuses are off. The the rookie status is off. And, uh, you know, we want to come in and, and expect who you are. You know, that's what I really want to know from these guys next year is when they show up to spring training and we start the next season, here we go. This is what this guy does for us. This is what exactly he gives us. This is who he is. And I think it's important that they know who they are and we know who they are and they know who we know who they are you know you go out there and jp sears is expected to make his starts jp sears is going to be expected to get us into the sixth inning jp you know keep the game close and and that's kind of what you want from everybody you want to know what you're getting when they take the mound well we got to thank you on a lot of fronts because i don't think there is a pitching coach that's on every single series that we have you on A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron, our pregame show. You know, it, I love the rotation. As much as I always love the Bob Guerin show every day, I think it's better that we have the manager, the pitching coach, the hitting coach, so we really get an idea of what's going on with the with the big league cu- club on all, fa- all facets, what you've done for us here on A's Cast Live. You give us more time and more knowledge than any pitching coach in all of Major League Baseball uh, we may be hearing some podcasts that you've been coming on, but you're very open about what, what's going on and what you guys are working on. We can't thank you enough for what you give us. Uh, another great season, and just truly for, from Cody and I, we, what you do for us is awesome. Well, what you guys do to bring the content to the fans, and not only A's fans, but baseball fans, is awesome. And uh, to be to be like one of a kind out there is, is great, and it's great for the organization. And uh, you know, we're just going to keep on grinding and keep on battling and keep on getting guys, you know, the best that they can be. Coming up next, I'm still angry about 12 and 13 about the Tigers. Yeah. I haven't let yeah. it go yet. Yeah. Is this like a revenge series? Can we call this a revenge series? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah let's do it. Bring back Verlander and Scherzer and Price and well, Porcello. We need, we, and, we need Steven Vogt for that base hit, right? Yeah. How about uh, Coco? Coco Crisp, yeah. How about Balfour Rage? Victor Martinez to get back into it. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Huh? Was That was some that good was times. Good time. <laughs> yeah. We're getting angry at the Tigers next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. 
fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to LinkSoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Do you realize something is going on that we have never seen before in the history of baseball? And it's our little old American League West. This is the first time three teams in the same division are within a half game of each other. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. For first place with 10 games or fewer left to play. Think about that. We've never seen that since division play started in 1969. We have three teams that are a half game from each other. Houston, Texas, and Seattle. Ten games left, half game for the division. Never seen this before. It's unbelievable. Odds to win the AL West. Astros, according to Fangraphs, 90.8. I thought that was relatively high. A little bit, yeah, because they're they're not playing great lately. All right, so then they got the Mariners at, who do you think they'd have better, Mariners or Rangers? Mariners. You are wrong. Oh, wow. Rangers at 64.6. And the Mariners at 60.7. Now, the Rangers and the Mariners are going to play each other two different times. Starting tomorrow. I find it just fascinating that after everything that we have been through, to where you had the Rangers dominate for so long, the Mariners in this malaise of who are they, we knew that, there's always a little bit of a World Series hangover. When's my, my Michael Brantley going to be back for the Astros? Uh, Jordan Alvarez got hurt. Altuve got hurt in the WBC. So there was there was a way to understand and, and, and explain why the Astros got out to not such a hot start. Jeff Blum, Blummer told us, hey, listen, if you're going to get the Astros, get them early. He was right. So the fact that we are bunched up where we are with 10 games left is unreal how close this division has been. Yeah, and Rangers, uh, Rangers Mariners start a series tomorrow. Um, the Astros have a series against the, wait for it, kind of hot Kansas City Royals. Stop. So, you mean like the red hot Detroit Tigers? Yeah, well, they, they don't have Riley Green now. And- I'm telling you right now, I am still pissed about 2012 and 2013. I want them all back. Bring Smoke and Jim Leland back. Let them light up in the dugout. Go get Verlander, Scherzer, Price, Porcello. Fister. Victor Martinez. Go get them all. Well, one of the guys is still here. 
What was the guy, the reliever that had the great, uh, the great name for them? Uh, there was uh, oh God, what was his name? Who was their closer then? No, not the closer. It was a reliever. Um, I'm picturing him right now too. Right-handed. And he threw hard, right? No. Oh, they'd have got it through really hard for them, well, they too. Well, that's Joel Zamaya. Yeah, Zamaya. That's what I was thinking of. But who is the guy that they had? Right, Not Guatemala, but what was his name? There's Armando Galarraga, no. the guy that had the perfect game that wasn't. No, he stunk. Um, who was the guy? But I don't care. Bring the Tigers. I'm pissed. This is revenge series. We need to take it out on the D Detroit Tigers. Wait, you don't want to celebrate Miguel Cabrera? No. Wait, what, we should celebrate him when he was still a decent player, what, five years ago? Wait, wait. Look me up on baseball reference. When's the last time Miguel Cabrera was good? Al Albuquerque? Al Albuquerque. That I knew it was like a city or a town or a Al Albuquerque. We were getting it into it with Al Albuquerque. Remember uh Victor Martinez and Balfour? Because Balfour, that would have been in Detroit. Balfour just screamed and yelled just to scream and yell. And Victor Martinez thinks he's screaming and yelling at him. Next thing you know, they're cut, we're go, we're getting after it with the Tigers in the playoffs. Oh, it was great. The, the last great Steve, year. Stephen Vogt, Coco Crisp, walk-off. Seth Smith. Oh, uh, the, last the great, good old days. The last great year Miggy had was in 2016 at age 33. He played in 158 games. He hit 38 bombs, drove in 108, hit 316. 2016? That was seven years ago. Two, where, 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 I, where, what was I doing in 2016? I don't know what you were doing. I mean, I know what I was doing. I don't even know what I was doing. It was so long ago. The Raiders. I was 95-7 the game. Same. My Ra kids were young. I was married the first time. You hadn't been divorced yet. <laughs> I lo love that we always just tie that into everything that happened years ago. I don't. You <laughs> No, do. I know. Because I, I can joke about it. It's fine. I'm just trying to think. To that, that's how long ago. I am tired. of This guy should have retired years ago. Years ago. I mean, you want to talk about taking advantage. I mean, this might sound bad. I, I, It might. All right, but I'll say it in. Mr. Illich, the longtime owner of the Detroit Tigers, the Red Wings. Yeah, Mike Illich, late, the late Mike Illich. Mr. Illich was a very rich man, pizza. Pizza makes people a lot of money. Little Caesars. And he, he desperately wanted to win. And he came close, and he he was constantly giving out big contracts. It is literally a contract that we, for the last few years, have been going, do you realize how much more money is on Miguel Cabrera's? Miguel Cabrera's war, Miguel Cabrera's been so bad that his war has actually come down. Yeah, 67.2 in his career, it's negative 0.5 this year. Now, folks, I want you to think about that. When everybody sits there and says, one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. Now, it's it's a stat. War is a stat. It accumulates over time. It's not perfect, but it gives you a kind of an idea about an all-around player. You're talking about a guy who is supposedly an all-time, all-time great, and it's 67. Yeah, point two. 67. It's gone down because he's been so horrific. It's like... I'm over this Miguel Cabrera set. We honored him at the All-Star game last year, and he's back. It's all a cash grab. This has not He's not helping his team. They don't want him anymore. 
it's like they, they, they milked the 3,000 hits, 500 home runs. He hasn't been good in forever. He's a total liability, and he is just, and you can't blame him totally, but he is just, I'm going to get every cent you promised me. I'm going to get every single dollar, and if you want to release me, release me. I'll give you his numbers real quick this year. Negative 0.5 war. 258 average, three homers, 31 runs batted in. A three homers! A three! Six, a 658 OPS, and that's in 306 He's got bats. less home runs than Tony Kemp. And Nick Allen has more home runs. Nick Allen has more. Nick Allen has four? Four. Nick Allen has more home runs than Miguel Cabrera. We're on Nick Allen watch, by the way, for inside, inside, inside. I want you to think about that. And they're paying him, what, $33 million? Somewhere around there, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean... That is literally insane. Nick Allen has more home runs than Miguel Cabrera. And I know blasphemy is a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> Whatever. I, I get it. But you know what? It is what it is. I don't – I don't – I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I've been there multiple times. I've talked about how my grandfather has stuff in the Hall of Fame. We've been fortunate as a family. They've taken us down into the bowels of the Hall of Fame. I have all the – but I don't sit here and like – Hall of Famers walk on water and can never be criticized. That's a joke. I, I just how this thing has ended. Joe Boyle is going to join us right now here on Ace Cast Live. But how this thing has gone with Miguel Cabrera, we should have had this. I don't know. We given him a bottle of wine or whatever the serum. We always give people a bottle of wine, but at some point, we should have done this years ago. This whole celebration. I mean, this is when you've got Nick Allen has more home runs than Miguel Cabrera. That tells you everything you need to know. I was trying to figure out the other day when I'm watching Joe Boyle warm up from our vantage point, trying to figure out what do I need to do to get to, like, the same height as him for this show. I couldn't figure it out. We're just going to – you're six set. I mean, yeah. it's just it is what it is. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Well, I tell you what, we're as happy as hell to see you here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And one of the reasons why is we heard so much about you when the trade came. And when we're going into the offseason, this is the A's talk show. This is where all the A's fans hang out. We wanted to make sure that we got to see a pitch. So when we talk about you in the offseason, because we're projecting you to be a part of this team next year, the big leagues, just what was it like for you? to get that call that you've been traded to the Oakland Athletics, knowing that this place, as we say, is the land of opportunity? Um, I mean, it was pretty it's pretty crazy. Um, I, you know, when you're in baseball, like, you, anything could happen. You expect that, you know, you could get traded and, you know, go anywhere. Like, it's just part of the game, part yeah. of the business. But it was it was crazy. Like, I, my farm director called me on an off day in, in Chattanooga, and he was like, yep, you got traded. Um, they're going to get in touch with you. Best of luck. I was like, all right, and then uh, the next day I was on a flight to Midland. So I mean, it was it was quick. There was there was no wasted time. Best of luck. Yeah. <laughs> but when you when you know you're going to the A's, yeah. Did you know like I got a legit shot to get to the big leagues really fast? Um, I I was told that they generally move guys quickly um, before I got here. Um, that's all I had heard. So, I mean, they didn't tell me anything ahead of time, like, hey, you're going to move quick, or they didn't say anything like that. Um, but I knew that, like, it's the same as it was with the Reds. Like, you throw well, like, I think you're going to earn more opportunities. 
So you get called to the big leagues. You're going to make your start. Take us through the process. First start, three innings was fantastic. Yeah. Take us through what was it like? Uh, it was great. Um, you know, they really, like, try to make it special for you on your your debut. At least for me they did, and I was very fortunate and appreciative of that. I mean, I had family come out, like my fiance, and my parents. So I had a bunch of friends come out. Um, so that was good to see them afterwards. And, like, um, but, like, leading up to it, I mean, like, I just made sure to remind myself that it's, like, I'm just going to stick to what I've been doing and, and stick to my process. That's hard, though, right? It's, it's your first start in the big league. It's hard, but, I mean, that's the that's the challenge of the game we play, you know? Yeah. Like, we not – I mean, there's a reason, you know, not many people get here because uh, it is very hard. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I had, and I, I look to just keep earning opportunities as, as I go. Um, but, yeah. You look like you were confident, fastball cutter. We saw some curves. So just take us through your your repertoire and, and what what you think best to worst. What what do you got? What are you most confident in? Um, I actually call it a slider instead of a cutter. Um, I, I think it can classify as both, but I call it a slider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just four seam slider, curveball. Um, I guess I was I was more slider heavy. I would say on Sunday. Um, but I, I made sure to like mix in everything in just to kind of just stick to, to my game plan. Um, yeah. So one thing that they talked about with you is throwing strikes. I saw you throw strikes in your debut. What, what, what do you think has been in the past with you in the minor leagues where you might have struggled throwing strikes? Uh, like what do you think caused it? Is that the yeah. question? Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I've, it's a hard game. Um, obviously, I'm trying to throw strikes when I go yep. out there. I know that the name of the game is getting ahead of guys, attacking hitters, being in the zone consistently. Um, so it was just like a, it was a process. It was working on going out there with a plan, making making adjustments as the game goes on, self-regulating mentally, physically, um, and make you know and focusing on what I had to do versus like uh, trying to battle myself out there and. Um, you know, thinking about the wrong things. I think I was. I think the change that really helped me was being more intentional about what I would, what I was thinking about when I was out there. Um, I think that's really what helped me start to turn it around and put together more competitive performances and um, giving my team a chance to win more consistently. You're from Kentucky. We all know Kentucky horse racing and basketball. You're mm-hmm. six seven. How many people tried to push you into basketball and yet baseball was your love? All right. So I'm actually not from Kentucky. Okay. I was born in Philadelphia. Um, my parents born and raised in Philadelphia. I, my grandmother still lives there. My aunt and uncle and my cousins still live there. I moved to Louisville um, from St. Louis before my senior year of high school. So I was spent most of uh, grade school and high school in St. Louis, Missouri. Spent a uh, senior year in Louisville. And then um, when I was at Notre Dame, my mom and my, or my parents were still living there. So I'd go back to, you know, during winter okay. break and stuff like that. So I'd, I was never pushed towards basketball. I mean, I was because I was tall, but yeah. not like – Everybody, when you're tall, it's like you got to play hoops. You got to play Yeah, hoops. everyone was like, yeah, you want to come play basketball? And <laughs> yeah. I was like – Power forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like, now nah, I'm just baseball. I'm just baseball. So did you grow up like an Eagles – Eagles fan, yeah. Okay, so My dad's a huge Eagles fan. Are you fan. all Philly? Yeah, I'm all Philly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you, the St. Louis Rams would have still been there when you were growing up. Um, yeah, they left when I was there. They left when I was still so in St. Louis. So Cardinals, think, yeah. Rams, but you, you're more Sixers, Eagles, Phillies kind of guy. Yeah, I grew up. Yeah, I grew okay. up a Philly fan. Yeah. Well, Notre Dame right now, 
Notre Dame football yeah. back. Notre, is Notre Dame football back? Big game against Ohio State. I, I sure hope so. I mean, like, uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see this weekend. But um, I'm excited with what they got and, uh, you know, how they've been playing. And, uh, it, I mean, it's just cool to be able to root for, like, a, like a university like that who – I guess really every year they try to be competitive and win football games. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they got. It's Notre Dame. Man. I mean, Notre Dame's its yeah. own national brand. I mean, oh, yeah, 100%. not only is the education top notch, but obviously what they've done for all these years. We've always seen Notre Dame come out with us playing SC or Stanford. Right. Uh, I've had family go to Notre Dame. It's a big deal. It's Notre Dame, yeah. right? It's yeah. an iconic college. But you don't think Notre Dame baseball, but Notre Dame baseball over the years has gotten far better. Talk about yeah. what baseball has been like improving for the Irish. You know, it was. Uh, it was cool to see the progression of Notre Dame baseball. They really didn't start to excel until after I was gone. I was drafted the COVID year, which was the first year for uh, the new coach, Link Jarrett, who took over after um, my sophomore year. And uh, I, so, I got to see them go to the you know, Super Regionals yeah. in 21, and then in 22 they went to Omaha. So that was really cool to see that program like win. I had a lot of buddies still on the team, and it was cool to see them make it far. And like I know that – like. Um, there's so many guys I played with in the past that were rooting for them, and, and it was exciting. It was exciting to watch that. I didn't realize you were the 2020 draft. I thought it was yeah. before then. Yeah, no, I was you, Oh, you've had – it's hard to explain to people, but your guys' journey is different than anybody that's ever – because remember they condensed the draft. Mm-hmm. It was only, what, 20 rounds? It's five rounds. Five rounds, yeah. yeah. And then they, they were able to sign a bunch of people, but you could only sign for a certain amount. Right. Just, just, and then you didn't have really. Did you go to the alternate side? No, I didn't do anything. I got drafted and didn't play. I didn't play. I didn't. I didn't show up until February of, of 2021, and I just like was playing catch in a park with my brother. Um, everything was like obviously it was COVID. Everything was shut yeah. down. Um, so I was like I was kind of on my own. Like the Reds were good with like communicating with us, like and like pitching coaches reaching out, strength coaches. But like it was interesting. It was an interesting start to like my pro career. Well, the most interesting was. Garrett Cole's wife was a great, uh, great player, softball player at UCLA, oh, yeah. and the uh, the video of Garrett Cole and his wife was pregnant playing catch in the park together. Just told you about the madness yeah. of everything going on. So, some guys I've talked to, you know, when you got a lot of wear and tear and a lot of mileage, some guys had as amateur players yeah. that maybe not pitching in 2020 wasn't so bad. It allowed you to kind of get healthy. Where were you on that where you, you you get drafted and then you got timed? Were you able to utilize it, get a little more healthy? Uh, there's a lot of negative to it. Was there any positive to it? I would say the positive was probably more off the field, like just like spending time with family more. Um, I would like I think that was probably better because like I know that if it was a normal year, I would have went right from the college season to probably short season yeah. and then probably to instructs and it would have just been crazy. So I had that time to be with family and like I wasn't in school anymore. Um, in terms of baseball, it was tough. Like you tried to, you, like you did your best to work on stuff, but like in reality, you don't know, you don't know what you need to work on until you show up, you pitch you, and the game kind of instructs you and teaches you like um, kind of how you need to evolve to, to get these better hitters out. Um so it was, it was that part was tough, but you did your, I did my best, you know, like I worked out and like through bullpens and sent video and data and stuff like that. So um, it wasn't ideal, but made the most of it. Are you getting another start before the season ends? I am scheduled to pitch on Saturday. That's what I've been told. Okay, so 
What do you think? Let's end on this because we know you got to go. Um, what do you think it means to you these two starts, and then you head to the off season knowing that you've been in the big leagues, and now you can train as a guy that has been here before. Um, I think I'm excited that I get the opportunity to pitch against obviously the best hitters on the planet, arguably. Um, I I think that the game will instruct me. It'll tell me you know what what works, what doesn't. I have an idea. You know, everyone has an idea of what plays, what plays up, what scales up to the big leagues. Um, but this is just a good chance to test it, to go out there and test my process against these you know a great you know great lineups and um learn like what do i need to work on what small adjustments do i need to make um going into the off season but you know the off season to off season doesn't i i feel like for me doesn't really change a ton you know i have my process i know what i need to keep working on um i'm never going to be perfect but it's always that like pursuit of like getting close to like being you know as close to perfect as possible well, i gotta tell you i'm excited because yeah. now we've gotten to talk to you we're gonna get to watch you pitch we can talk about what's gonna happen we're gonna see you down at spring training but just congratulations on getting here i know what that means to you thank you and good luck the rest of the way and we will see you next time we see you we'll probably be down in mesa arizona okay. for spring training as you're trying to make the big club yeah absolutely that sounds great great stuff we got more coming up next right here on a's cast live this is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty, welcome back to A's Cast Live. I'm looking over in the dugout, the great Clay Wood. He's eyeing us down. He's going to be here. We're talking grass. Well, not that kind of grass, a different kind of grass. The grass you play on, we'll do that at 515 right here on Ace Cast Live. See, that's that what you just saw and what you just heard, because we know people are listening and watching. That's what we wanted. Not only from a standpoint of watching him pitch, but we want to talk to him. Who's Joe Boyle? And later on, is it today? Joey Estes did an interview with with Vince Catronio. With, and Vince, we're going to put it up on the A's YouTube. Is that today on uh, A's Total Access? Yeah, uh, I'll have that up on YouTube after the show today. Yeah, we want to know who these guys are. We want to know what makes them tick. Who are they? Because, let's face it, there is a chance they will be in the rotation next year, either at the start of the year or at least by some point. I think Boyle, no question. Estes is still really young at 21 years old, but 
I mean, if he's able to throw strikes and compete in the strike zone, he's going to have an opportunity. I mean, we Ken Korak's got the where is Korak? He was just here. He's got the list of all these guys. It's Korak's list. We need to get a copy of Korak's list. Uh, I looked at. I remember looking at. So I read something earlier about Joey Estes. He's the youngest ace pitcher to debut since Brett Anderson, at 21 years and like the certain amount of days. So well, you back know to why? 09. You, you know why? Because we don't like bringing up young guys. We've got to change that. I want more young what, guys. What is it in uh, the minor leagues of 500 innings and 1,500 at-bats or whatever whatever Stop that philosophy it. was that we are always told? Archaic. <laughs> it's archaic. These hey, guys are playing more Hey, how many bats is the uh, first baseman from the Angels who's got drafted had, huh? He's, zero. And he's killing the ball right now. Zero. Cru- sorry, crushing the ball. These guys are coming up. They Zero. Why is nobody getting on board with me about this as a revenge series? I'm still angry about 12 and 13. I mean, I know, Why am I the only one? I know it was 10 years ago, but a lot's changed in Is that 10 years, years ago? You know, you know Detroit hasn't been in the playoffs since 2014, so tied for the longest drought in baseball with? Yes, because, Cody, I have the same notes you have. That's not in there about their playoff drought. The Tigers have not had a winning season. This will be the seventh consecutive yeah. year. They won the 86 games, I think, in The Tigers 16. have, yeah, so I read the notes. They had seven consecutive years, the second longest streak in club history, and they've been around for over 100 years. Uh, the other the other team that has made the playoffs, same amount of years as the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They have the longest streak. But, I mean, and now, I mean, if you're fired up as a Tiger and you get to hear that Jeff Greenberg is named your general manager. Is thirty-seven years old. You know where he's from. I believe they worked together. Where was yep, it? In that Cubs. is a, no. He was the associate GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. Well, they worked together with the Cubs, according to yeah. these notes. I love that he was supposed to be the guy that the Pittsburgh Penguins wanted to interview for their GM job. The the uh, Blackhawks said no, and now he's the GM of the Detroit Tigers. Who their their president of baseball ops is the former GM of the San Francisco Giants, Scott Harris. We told you to read this article. I'll put it up to the camera. If you're listening, I apologize. But this article right here, the Giants are MLB's most boring postseason contenders by the great Tom Verducci. Now, I sent this article out to a lot of different people for a reason. And how you responded to that article tells me a lot about you. Right? So if... If you're a Giants hater, you'll read it that way. If you're somebody like Amelia Schimmel, who we've had this debate over starting pitchers, she just reads it and she says, see, Tom Verducci said wins aren't the most important thing for pitchers. So that means you don't see the forest through the trees. So when I send this out, how you responded tells me a lot about you. Why? Because it's a, your perception of baseball. Kind of tells you, yeah. what kind of thinker are you? Are you a big thinker, small thinker? Are you just an angry troll? How, how do you – because this article, I could take the Giants out of it. And this has not I'm – not, I'm not ripping the Giants whatsoever. This has – and I and – I, Whoa, what's, what's going a, on here? I'm a notorious <laughs> Giants troll. But, no, this is this literally I – could, I could X out the Giants and put another team in there. This has nothing to do with the Giants. Even though this article says it's about the Giants, this actually is not about the Giants. This is actually about a lot of 
It's about hiring a 37-year-old Jeff Greenberg to already work with a young guy who was also uh, Scott Harris, who's now president of baseball operations. And you're like, who's Scott Harris? Scott Harris was the nobody GM of the San Francisco Giants that didn't do anything of any note and got hired by the from Detroit. They got Detroit hired him from the Giants. No one's ever heard of this guy. Where did he come from, Chicago? He was a Cubs guy, yeah. Okay, so nobody knows who Scott Harris is. Scott Harris literally could walk on this field today, and no one would have a clue who the hell he is. And he's the president of baseball operations for the, for the Tigers. And they've now hired Jeff Greenberg, who's 37, who you said was working for a hockey team? But associate GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. So an associate GM of a hockey team just got hired as a GM of a baseball team. What the hell is going on? Read Tom Verducci's article, and it's there's only, there's only one thing that really matters in this article. It's going to tell you about how the Giants and, you know, how they want to play their – it's their version of Moneyball. Is that the – if I gave you a Cliff Notes version, it's basically their version of Moneyball. That and, they, that and then they use an opener a lot. That's a new version of Moneyball. Yeah. Well, the Moneyball they use starting pitchers. I said new yeah. version of Moneyball. We're trying to do it differently. We're trying to tell you how smart we are. We're trying to take our knowledge and put it on the baseball field, and our knowledge is how we're going to decide how our players play. It's like a game of chess. That's how we're going to play baseball. Say it with me. Do you get it, Cody? It's like the new version of Moneyball. Yes. Okay, so you get it. Yeah. So that's what they're doing. It's not working. And, but the number one thing in this article, it says point blank, but if this is the future of baseball, I want no part of it. Tom Verducci, longtime writer for Sports Illustrated, who now is on baseball games as a color guy and also does studio work for MLB Network. We've had him on the program here. He's phenomenal at what he's done. He's been doing He's been one of the tots for a long time. Says once again, if this is the future of baseball, I want no part of it because it's boring. The other thing that is probably the second most important part is as the Giants now, because this was written and it talked about how the games in Arizona that they were going to have were big. They lost both the games. They used starting pitchers, real starting pitchers for those two games, lost both. Giants are in trouble, probably not going to make the playoffs. But they are officially 500 for now two seasons since they won 107. They are 500. So that's not bad. That means you've won as much as you've lost. Mediocre. But you're not losers. No, you're not winners. As Tom Cable, who once said, famously, after the Raiders went 8-8, eight and eight, what did he say? We're not losers anymore. We're not losers anymore. We're 8-8. Eight and eight. <laughs> I maybe need to stop all these Raider references. <laughs> it's like I need to reboot myself. But here's the thing, folks. They're down 26% with tickets. Now, if my business is down my business is selling food if my business is down 26 percent i'm calling my brother and i'm flipping out like 
I'm flying, you know, whether it's to Walnut Creek, Chicken Pie Shop at Walnut Creek, or I'm flying home to San Diego, the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop, and alarm bells are going, and I'm freaking out. How are we selling 20, 26% of our business of sales of food when you're a restaurant or your bar or whatever you're selling, you're down 26%? You got problems. You got major problems. Now, obviously, the A's, we have those issues, but our issues, we're different. The giant, I mean, I, we can go over that. But we're talking about the Giants who are not trying to move out of town. We're, we're talking about the Giants who have their new ballpark. We're talking about the Giants who, I, I, I guess we're starting to look at it. Those three World Series were a long time ago. They, they've had one playoff series in nine years. Would uh, my yes. math be right? They, they had a wild card. No, they, they played against the Cubs, too, too. Because they had that wild card win against the Mets, I think, and then they played the Cubs and they lost. The, the Cubs won the World Series. But They're, that wouldn't have been a series against the Cubs. That would have been a game. Well, I thought they played a wild card game, and then they then they end up playing a series. Let me let me double check for you. To make so sure. it's one or two series in nine yeah. years. I know it's one, right? Because they played the Dodgers in 01. In 2021, yeah, they played the Dodgers. So I know that one. Since 2024, how many times have they been to the playoffs? Uh, let me check. I'm looking right now. 2016 Giants went 87 and 75. They won the wild card game versus the Mets, and then they lost. So tw- they essentially played in two series. So they played in two series then. Okay. And you got those three World Series, which fans tell you, I just win one World Series, that's all I want. That's all I want in my life is to win the one World Series and go to the parade and do all that. That's what fans tell you, right? Well, then they did it a second time. Then they did it a third time. What happened? All you ever wanted was to win a World Series. All you need is a new building, and you need a new. You need this. You need that. Your business is down. Selling tickets, twenty six percent, and it's not like you have gone in the tank. You're in last place. You're you're at least five hundred. Yeah, and that's two years after winning one hundred seven. I know a lot of people are going to say a lot of well, they don't sign stars, and you know, you know, the the world, the, the Bay Area has changed since COVID. Blah blah, blah you know, all that, but. If you're down 26%, that's not good. 20%. 26%. Are the Padres tickets down and we're, we're still in California? Uh, Padres yeah. are having their biggest attendance, well over 3 million, their biggest of all time. Dodgers um, will no, be going over 3 million. They've already gone over 3. Dodgers are the king of attendance. Since the Dodgers have moved west, 1958. Yeah. Since the Dodgers have moved west, no one has had – Better attendance than the Los Angeles. No, more people have attended games, Chavez Ravine, Dodger Stadium. Beautiful Dodger Stadium. No one even compares. Now they may show up late and leave early, <laughs> but no one shows up more than Dodger fans. Yeah, I mean, the Angels, I'm, uh, the Angels. Um, I'm Angels going, will be well over two million. Yeah, and their attendance will be in. So, yeah. But the Giants are down, and I don't, it's just, it's a bad look. And, you know, it, even. Well, how much is it? I. Because we kind of did our own internal poll with our friends, and we're talking about these guys. I mean, my guy, my guys are all baseball guys. These are guys all played either professionally and college or just college, but they're bad. some of them are coached. I mean, they're they all can't stand it. My my buddies who are Giants fans absolutely hate the way they play. They can't stand it. They say it is a tough watch. How much of it is a tough watch? Because it can't be 
they've gone in the tank and they're losing because they haven't gone in the tank. But it just, looking at this article, I mean, could this be the Boston Red Sox? Could this be a lot of teams? The way they play, the way they micromanage, the way they, they have no feel. They, I mean, I'll never forget when the A's were over there playing against the Giants this year. And it was whoever was pitching had pitched two and two-thirds, scoreless baseball, and Gabe Kapler came out to make the move to pitch against Tony Kemp. Matchups. You're matching up in the third inning against Tony Kemp. In July. In July? Moronic. That is no feel. That's more. We win every out. We and I understand, and they try, and it sounds good. We win every. We it's for every game. It's for every out. It's for every that's like, dude, you're you're out of you're out of your mind. Like, I, that is somebody that has no feel, and I don't want them managing. It's my business. You you the number one part of your business is the players at the big league level. There's a lot of baseball is a funky business because you've got minor league system, minor league players. You got all this, uh, but the main part of your business is the players on the field at the big league level. And if that's the way you're thinking, and as Tom Verducci says, if this is the future of baseball, I want no part of it. Isn't it amazing that the Giants, forever Giants, they finally win the World Series, all that kind of stuff. All this, everything you have ever wanted as a Giants fan, you have gotten. You got to have the Bonds years. The Bonds years led to Superberry years that led to the new ballpark, that led to the home run record, that led to three World Series. You got everything you could have. You got a franchise player in Buster Posey. You got everything you possibly could have wanted as a Giants fan. And now you are a micromanaged data machine, and you're down 26% in attendance. And you're 500 for two years after winning 107 games. But that's not bad. No, no. You you have me 500. I mean, I can give you a – how many games are we under five? We're 60 games under 500. I'd rather be 500 than 60 games under 500. I mean, you're making 500 sound like they're they're oh, they're, they're in the playoff race. And they and, and a lot of the moves that they the signings they made like Conforto and Hanniger like they just didn't pan out. Like they were trying to play money, they were doing Moneyball instead of signing guys. And Hanniger couldn't stay healthy. Conforto shocker, Conforto missed the entire year last year. Wait for it. He was injured this year. And just imagine if they would have actually signed Carlos Correa, who is hurt right now. He's, there's even like a tear of the plantar, Plan, fa- plantar fasciitis yeah, yeah. or whatever, which they say if you tear it completely, that's better, which he has. I'm not going to try and play a doctor today on Ace Cast Live. Just today. But, yeah, I mean, according to the Giants, if he – well, I should say if he was signed with the Giants, he'd have 12 – You've had nothing but injuries this year with Carlos Correa. You'd have 12 more years on top of this. Speaking of the Twins, they can clinch the AL Central tonight. Brewers with the win today. Their magic number is two. Yeah, so I believe if uh, Cleveland loses and Detroit loses, they clinch the division, and they're trying to snap the uh, one of the worst playoff streaks I've ever seen, 18 straight losses in the playoffs. I, we get him once a year. We get him once a year. He's the toughest book of the year. I mean, when I think about – who the toughest guys in the history of baseball to book for A's Cast Live? Clay Wood is he, he's basically said, you get me once a year, you pick that time, use it wisely. So we are uh, we're using it. We're using that card right now. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Tony. How are you? This is it. You got four left. Four left. Yep. We're uh, you know winding down. It's a grind. 
It is a grind, and I, I don't think people understand. I get to see it because doing the post-game show, everybody's gone, and I get to see everything you guys do. Uh, I don't think people understand the hours that you guys put in when when you show up to when you leave, how much you you manicure and baby this beautiful grass throughout the baseball season. Yeah, the crew just puts in uh, just an immense amount of hours. People have no clue. Um, there are certain people who do, but, you know, people that see it, um, guys that appreciate it. But, um, yeah, the guys are here. They put their heart and soul into this field every single day. Um, you know, it's basically like repeat and rinse every day. We're just doing the same things over and over, trying to keep the field the best it can be, uh, the most consistent it can possibly be for these guys every day. So it's um, it's not easy to make a field look like this and, you know, players leave and they go coach somewhere and they always call back like hey how do I do this how do I do that you know you really some guys take it for granted some guys don't but you know I think you know if you're here every day you see what it takes to make this happen it's it's pretty awesome how proud are you that so many players will say that this is the top grass playing surface in all major league baseball yeah i mean it's a testament to the crew and and just the effort that they put in really and and you know myself I, i'll give the crew all the credit in the world but you know um we hear it a lot from visiting players just you know they love playing here the the you know consistency of the surface how flat it is um so we you know we get it a lot i don't it's not something that we expect but you know it's certainly nice when you hear it for sure how has the world changed for you once the raiders left um, I, I think it, you know, it's really been a, a whole complete lifestyle change, really. I mean, not just, uh, you know, work-wise, but, you know, family time-wise and uh, stress-level-wise, both physically and mentally. Um, you know, it's it really a life-changing event for somebody like me who the first 25 years I was here, I had, you know, I had to deal with both, so... Uh, to have it for that many years and then all of a sudden not have it, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely... Uh, you know, definitely a lifestyle change for sure. What's so interesting, too, when we talk about how so many people love the playing surface, it's not like this stays here year-round. You well, constantly have to redo it. Well, we, we will this year. Um, we're not – No monster trucks? The, no, no. The the major dirt show, shows are moving back over to San Francisco to Oracle Park. So we'll be able to keep this field, maintain it, not have to rebuild it this year, which is, you know – uh, so this grass will now be here year-round? It will be. You know, for at least this year, we'll see what changes next year, if anything. But, does that um, does that change anything for you? Um, yeah, it changes a little bit, just, you know, our approach to the offseason, um, how we maintain it, you know, what we'll have to do throughout the course of the year. We won't have to do a lot. I mean, once um, the days are getting shorter, things are staying wetter, it's, it, you know, the grass will go into – a little bit of dormancy at some point so it's not like we're gonna have to mow every day and and uh you have to winter yeah but, but we will have to maintain and and do some things that we wouldn't do if you know if we we're gonna cover it with six thousand yards of dirt for sure so i remember years ago 49er players would talk about this is old school when they would drive in and they were gonna play mm -hmm. <laughs> now everybody but but they say you come into candlestick park they would look at the bay and they would know whether it was going to be a soggy field at Candlestick or a dry field, right? And which size cleats to wear. We're below sea level. Right. How much does that affect 
the surface on a day-to-day basis? Uh, you know, a lot. People don't, you know, realize, and it's not just, you know, this time of year. You can see the shadows are already covering the field. Days are shorter. Uh, the morning we get really long shadows from Mount Davis and, and the scoreboard, and, and all those things factor into, you know, to, to how the field plays and, and playability field can, you know, it can change overnight once the, you know, once fall hits and, and really what we call the worm turns and, 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 you know, like I said, those shorter days, sun angle, all those things, just they make a huge difference. And, and sea level here for sure, uh, being 22 feet below sea level at the playing surface, you know, the tide being in or out or. Do you check you know, the tides? Um, yeah, I, I, I do check the tides. I don't check them on a daily basis here, more for fishing, but, <laughs> but uh, fishing in the Tough delta. Life. But, <laughs> but, I mean, it's almost to the point now where, you know, especially in the wintertime, I used to be able to walk across the field and I could tell whether the tide was in and, you know, if that slough behind the stadium would be full of water. I mean, it's just one of those things you get a feel for it. Just Every 12 hours, just, tide goes in, then goes out. Just walking across the field. It's, uh, it, it, it's a unique situation here for sure. Even, you know, the funny thing about Candlestick was it was actually, I think, nine feet above sea level, but definitely still had some tidal influence. But it was right uh, on the water. But right on the water and, and, and definitely, uh, but above sea level, you know, and that's the thing here. I think, you know, possibly we're the only stadium in the country that's below sea level and then being 22 feet, that's – you know, that's a long ways. Well, you, you just don't – we just ah, – it's grass. It's a living organism. And that's what I always thought about when I also would do the Raiders shows and I'd watch you guys take down. I'd watch you set up. I'd watch you take down, whether I was doing A's or Raiders. I got to see all that and how the grass was being suffocated by putting – by the stands for the Raiders stands would be out here or they come right out of Mount Davis and you guys would set up. I mean, it was really tough for the grass. So yep. uh, having the play, having the having the playing surface be consistent, you know, all those years of playing playoff games still with like this and painting the grass was was brutal. It's just nice to have a consistent playing surface. It is. It is. It's nice not to have to worry about, you know, in July, oh, we have to start, you know, overseeding or prepping or, you know, really we used to have to start altering things in July to prepare for August preseason football. You know, those those days are, are gone. We don't really have to change a whole lot. You know, once we start get shorter days, we have to adjust water and things like that. But, I mean, really it was uh, – you know, it was like, okay, football's coming. We have to do some things different um, for, you know, those conversions, uh, which were absolutely – it only took one. That was the thing. You know, you could play 50 baseball games and the field would be still be beautiful and, and play one football game, one conversion, and, you know, the field was never the same after that. I mean, we – you know, the crew did a great job. We, we kept it nice. We – uh, kept it consistent uh, the best we could, but you know the field was never the same after that first football conversion. Just it's not possible. All right, I keep my ear to the ground around this joint. I've been around here a long time. All right, concerts, maybe soccer games coming to the Coliseum. How mm-hmm. much like going into next year? How much could that affect the playing service? Uh, it definitely affects it. You know, um, if, if you and know, how if, much control do you have with that? Well, you know, really not much control over whether they do them or not. Oh yeah, um, but but you're, you're not scheduling the concerts. Yeah, uh, no, there would be no concerts if I was scheduling. Bad, you, it wasn't Bad Bunny's people yeah, calling yeah. you up. And no, the, no, no, no. Uh, no, we're usually the you know, <laughs> we're usually the last to find out when it comes to some of that stuff. Now with the soccer, that's something that we've been uh, alerted to. That yeah. was more of an A's thing, and 
we were alerted to that early. That could happen in March. Um, I don't think it's a done deal yet, but you know that's certainly close to baseball, and we'd have to cover the infield dirt with grass, and and you have to kind of manipulate those edges for soccer so that they have a smooth transition. So definitely affects you know what we're doing here. Soccer's not nearly as invasive as football, but you know you have lines out there, you have transitions where you have sod from you know soccer on the dirt. Um, so yeah, there are some things to to consider, and then concerts. You know, <clears throat> the stages have come a long way. So if they use the modular stage that comes in and and cover the you know the field with the plastic flooring, concerts aren't as damaging as they used to be. They used to be brutal before the you know the higher quality plastic flooring. Um, now the you know fields in general kind of hold up better to uh, to concerts with the newer technology. All right. I'm going to give you a magic wand. We'll end on this. You could change anything about the Coliseum. Magic wand. Boom. You're like Glenda, the magical. What was she, the magical? This is is a, so just. You can do anything you want. Anything you want. Magic wand, you get one, what, genie in the bottle. Look. Genie comes out. You don't get three wishes. You get one. Anything to this facility, bang, what would you do? For me, it'd be a new irrigation system (laughs) we've had so many issues over the last few years it's 24 plus years old and you know we have mainline breaks and i mean i guess you know there's so many things you could do to this place you get one you get one i'll take a new irrigation system if they could just do it just make it happen i'll take that that's it cody what's your one you get one uh i have to think about it you put me on the spot here (laughs) I mean, irrigation. That's what gas gas put on. I the mean, spot. irrigation system is pretty big deal. You got to keep. You're going irrigate. Cody's going irrigation system too. <laughs> as a big what lawn, a chump. I, you know, as a big lawn guy at my apartment, you know, I have to ke- keep track of the lawn and I'm take care of it. I'm a big lawn guy. <laughs> now, Townie, what is yours? Oh, a studio for me. Ace studio. Gas Studio. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wham! I mean, it'd be now. Like would that be in the treehouse, or would that be? Oh no, too far away. Okay. We're <laughs> gonna have our own own high tech. I want to sit on the. I want to sit on the field live and during games. Yeah, you say that now, so you're down here freezing. I want my own studio. Can I want the? I want a multi million dollar studio of my own. Okay. That's what I want. Brilliance to bring you the brilliance. Oh. Uh. Good stuff. Study your guys running me over all day long here on the field. <laughs> I want my own studio. That's what I would. I know a lot of people would say Mount Davis. They would just get rid of Mount Davis. It, you know, it, it doesn't serve a purpose like it used to. So, you know, it would certainly, uh, certainly free things up a little bit and kind of open up and expand some views again. But, um, yeah. You're going irrigation. I mean, I'm going irrigation system. Irrigation it is. All right, my friend. <laughs> Tony, thanks, One buddy. time a year, we get you. Your Sounds busy good. schedule. All right. Well, hey, uh, got any big plans off season? You're done in four days. No, no big plans. You know, got a daughter in school, and you know it's tough to get away for, uh, you know, when when the kids are in school. So, just uh, you know, fishing, golfing, duck hunting, and just is Reba just, ready to go? Reba's ready. Yeah, got to get her in a little bit better shape, but she's ready to go. Keep her out of that visiting clubhouse. How do you get the dog in shape for duck hunting season? You just run her, you know. You 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 play uh, you play fetch. You you know she's a retriever. She goes yeah. she goes and gets the ball. So probably I mean most famous dog in baseball. I I I'm gonna say probably. You know I don't know of a whole lot of other dogs, but uh, 
Yeah, she's a superstar and just a you know great dog. We love having her around. So Bob Melvin claims that when he came back this time, Reba remembered him. I I would certainly not doubt that one bit. I mean, when Bob was here, he spent a lot of time with Reba. You know, every day he'd run the stairs and he'd come down. And he'd always have a water bottle. He'd take one sip and then the rest would go to Reba and they spend you know 15, 20 minutes just playing fetch and hanging out and. Uh, yeah, so that didn't surprise me a bit when he came walking out. She turned around and ran right to him. So, yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise her. She's, she's a smart dog. How many people talk to you about your dog, and is your dog more popular than you are? I'm going to have to say yes. I, I'd say on an average day there's probably at least ten people that say hi to Reba before they say, you know, before, before they acknowledge me. It's like, oh, Reba, oh, hey, Clay, how's it going? Yeah. So, I mean, that happens daily by a lot of people. So, I'm used to it. I think, you know, sometimes my even my wife does it at home. So, that's you know, <laughs> yeah, just how it is. Spencer the dog gets way more love <laughs> than I do at home. Great stuff. Coming up next, we get you ready for the eight. Are you ready? Revenge series for 12 and 13? Oh, this series? Yes. Yeah. Uh, get God. back at these SOBs Where's, for what happened. Verlander's not on this team, is I he? bring him back. <laughs> you, and it, G- Jim Leland can smoke cigarettes in the dugout all he wants. Let's go. Revenge series. That is still, uh, like some, I, I told somebody, I'm like, probably, probably the last time that a manager was smoking cigarettes in a dugout was yeah, that may, may have smoking been. Jim. May have been. Yep. That might have been the last time. All righty. We get you ready for Tigers A's next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. you got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. By the way, before I uh, unseat Shohei Otani as the American League MVP, all <laughs> uh, you Otani hacks, Zach Geloff has a six game hitting streak. He's hitting 381 during that time, two home runs. He could reach. 60 career games on third. He's starting today. I mean, he could. Yeah, that's he is. 60 career games? What is this McGuire, Olsen, Canseco? It was, it, it, was in the, it was in the notes, MLB notes. 
are the only A's with more homers, 13, at this point in their careers? Does Olsen, I mean, Matt Olsen was on, like, two different stints when he. <laughs> take, take, take me in doubles. Take me in extra base hits. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. In steals. I don't think Mark McGuire was Zach selling. Zach Geloff. All right, are you are, okay? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna. Are you team Townie or are you team Korak here? All right. Well, I, I can't just ask for you lay it out. Yeah, you're either gonna be one of us. Are you going? My comp is Ryan Sandberg. His he wants Troy Tulowitzki. Ooh. You want Korak or me? Whose camp you in? You want to go Bay Area kid? Fremont High from down in uh, San Ho. Yeah. Who was a shortstop at 6'3. Or Sandberg is not as tall as Geloff at 6'3, but they play so similar. Power, speed, range, can steal bags. Did Tulo steal bags? Uh, I believe a little bit. Because um, Sandberg stole. This is easy for me, but I'll let you look up Tulo. I'm going to look up Tulo. So I want to know, are you going Team Korak or Team Tulo Witzke only the biggest year he ever had was 20 bags. And then then the next year, 11. He did not. Sandberg stole 54 in a season and then had a couple 30s. I mean, Geloff is going to steal over. In a full season, Geloff's giving you probably over 20 every year. This is easy. Geloff's going to be, Geloff's going to be a 30-30 guy. Tulo never even sniffed it. And you take Tulo out of Coors Field. Come on. All right, where are you going? He had, he had a nice little run with the Blue Jays, but also another hitter's ballpark. Um, it's easy. I'm going with Sandberg. Oh, you're on – what? You're going on my team? There's only, there's one – well, there's two reasons why. All right. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. And two – how many games did Tulo miss in his career? Oh. Tulo is not I'll take the guy that Kyle actually played. Rinkin. I'll take the guy that actually played. He was not – I mean, Tulo basically had a, a stretch of about three years. Like he did One year in Toronto, he's pretty good, right? No, he had 24 bombs, 79 RBIs. I mean, he was a beast in 2020 and 2011. You're talking 30 bombs, 105 RBIs, 916 OPS. Got he MVP. just couldn't stay healthy. He got MVP votes that year, right? He'll tell you the over there. On the- yeah, he had uh, he had MVP votes, top five MVP. In that three years I told you, he had top ten MVP votes three straight years. After that, never sniffed it again. Yeah, couldn't stay healthy. Um, I, I like the comp for Tulo, but I'll take Samberg because he's a Hall of Famer and he played. I mean, and he played second base. I mean, Gallup's going to play second base. I don't think he's going to move to short. Okay. It's interesting. Otani's on the shelf. It's not done. Yeah. He's on a bad team. Weighted runs created plus. You got runs created. We're going to weight it plus environment, ballparks, league, everything. We're just taking runs created and putting on steroids. But it's basically at-bat per at-bat versus players. Correct? Yeah. Weighted runs created plus. Otani, 179 in the American League. Seager, 173. Jordan, 170. Judge, and then Yandy Diaz. Judge, 162. Yandy, 158. So, Otani, big there. In runs created, we're just going to accumulate. And so, if you haven't played as many games, you're going to struggle. 
Otani is your leader once again, 138. Simeon, 111, plays every day. Seager, 110. Tucker, 107. We go to AL War leaders. Simeon's your leader for position players. Simeon at 7, Seager at 6.6, Gunnar Henderson at 6.1, Otani just at 6. So I'm wondering, is there a way that you could look at numbers and say, maybe Otani isn't the MVP of the American League? You could. Um, I, I mean, I think Now it's- you throw pitching in. All of a sudden, Otani's numbers go bigger than there. But he's not even sniffing Simeon when it comes to, to war. And, oh, by the way, what's the one thing all majority of those players have that Otani doesn't? They play every day. And? They're on winning teams. They're playing for something. Um, I think you can make the case for it, and I think, I think Simeon – We I, do in every other sport. I think Simeon and Seager are, great, are, good, are good people to make. I think you can make a good case for Julio Rodriguez, too. I mean, he carried the Mariners for the month of August, J- essentially. J-Rod's up here in war, and J-Rod's up here. 30-30 You guy. call him Julio, I call him J-Rod. 30-30 guy. He's up here in runs created. Kyle Tucker. Another good guy. Kyle Tucker essentially carried the Astros. Altuve was out. Jordan Alvarez was out. Jordan Alvarez. Michael Brantley was out. Abreu wasn't hitting. Bregman wasn't hitting. Yeah. Kyle Tucker carried the Astros. He's a, he, And I hate the Astros. Did he get there yet? Because he was going to be a... Uh, 30-30 guy. Did he get there yet is the question. So can you make a case that, I don't everybody is just, because of stats, we are so, we don't, are we ever going to, once again, we go back to this article about how the Giants are just built on it. Are we ever going to get back to winning matters? Uh, is, is, I, I are think, we ever going to get back into our sport that actually the purpose of our game is to win games? It's not about your stats. It's not about your analytics. It's about winning the actual games on a daily basis. And the guys that win, it matters. Uh, I would like to see that happen because, you know, nothing against Otani, but he's not playing for anything. The Angels haven't made the playoffs since 2014. They have the longest drought. But, you know, every put everything you want into there. I think it should go to a guy like a Seager or a guy like Julio Rodriguez, Kyle Tucker. Tucker, 28 homers, 28 still on bases. He most likely will be a 30-30 guy. Um I think one of those guys probably deserves it because they're playing. We for have something. surrendered. We have just said who's got the best, be- who's got the best numbers. I don't care. No context. I don't care what it is. Best numbers, you get all the awards, and it doesn't matter. You could be playing, yeah, unless you play in Colorado. If you play in Colorado, we're going to judge you. <laughs> yeah. If you play in Colorado, we're judging you. But the twenty-nine other teams. Doesn't matter. You got the best stats. We just give it to you because that's all that matters. Like the best case in the NFL is every time, most of the time, it's a quarterback that wins the MVP. But a running back can have a great year. Like Adrian Peterson won the MVP, but he had a great year. I don't remember how great the Vikings were. But like, it, it's always going to be a quarterback that has it. That's on the best team. Peyton Manning, not, a, not on a losing team. Yeah, it's never going to be. Uh, You're not going to be on. A, uh, I'll give you a guy who won the MVP. A guy by the name of Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. First defensive player ever to win the MVP. And you don't see a defensive player win the MVP. Did he do it on the, on the last place New York Giants team? No. I mean, I saw a ridiculous Xavier Scruggs was debating Matt Olson over uh, Freddie Freeman because they were talking about the big doubles and all this kind of stuff. And he was like, well, 
Yeah, maybe some of those doubles would have been home runs, would have had a better year. And they're like, everybody's looking at them going, we're so into this, everything's a home run, everything's a strikeout. Like, we are like, we're prisoners in this game. Matt Olson's- and this article right here, read it once again, it's phenomenal. This article by Tom Verdett, we are so prisoners right now to strikeouts, home runs, pitchers and hitters. Uh, Matt- so home runs, home runs. You know what? Matt Olson's had a great year. We love Matt Olson. Let's see how many home runs he hits. Who, are, where, who would you rather have? Question was thrown up. Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman, playoffs, key moment in the game, who would you rather have up? Freddie Freeman. Xavier Scruggs like, well, Matt Olson has a chance to go deep. I've already lived with Matt Olson in the postseason. He also has a chance to strike out. I just, we are so addicted. I wish we were addicted to stuff like touchdowns because you know what? Touchdowns, you know what you need for touchdowns? What do you need for touchdowns? Blocking. First of all, the line's got to block. Yeah. Before a quarterback, receiver, running back does anything, it's teamwork. The offensive line has to work. Like, it's a total, like, when we talk, we want to take everything out of team and make it individualistic. Well, you know what? In team sports, you shouldn't because the team matters. A touchdown starts with blocking. starts up front. Uh, Are we done? You're getting close. You also have to have the, the guys to catch the ball. Got to have a guy catch the ball. Uh, yeah. Got to have a guy throw the ball. Got to have a guy hand it off to the running back. There's a lot of things that go into a touchdown. Like, that's kind of like a win for a pitcher, right? A lot of things have to happen for him. For, for a quarterback to throw, throw a touchdown, a lot has to happen. Not a strikeout. Pitcher controls that. Everything else is. Jesus, take the wheel. Take it from my hand. Pitcher has no control. I just throw it, and oh, my God. D- d- does it matter where I throw it? Oh, I, And in what count? I, I looked this up because uh, this could be the first time. I'm telling you, these analytics people, it's like, I throw the baseball, and I have no control. This ties None. In this, this ties into Spencer Strider real quick. Um, we might not have a 20-game winner this year. It's Since the wild card era, I went back and looked. Since the wild card era, it's only happened three times. The last time was 2017. But we might not have a 20 Your National League Cy Young Award winner doesn't even average six innings per start. Your National League Cy Young Award, your National League Cy Young Award winner just had a no-hitter, and he was taken out of the no-hitter, and he is not pitching in the postseason. He And he's probably leaving at the end of the year. Why in the hell would Bob Melvin not say, get your ass out there and finish this, you coward? How, how are you not fighting your manager? You're not pitching. This is it. You have a chance for a no-hitter. And he just gladly, okay, I'm out. Oh. I mean, how many pitchers have we have taken out that have had no-hitters this year? A lot. A chance for history, the, the, especially a guy that's not going to be pitching in the postseason. My favorite was yesterday. We were talking about George Kirby in, in our booth, and he went seven innings, had 85 pitches, and I was telling um, – 85 pitches. I, I forget who I was talking to about it. I think it might have been the karate kid Ray Jensen. I said, how funny would it be if, if Kirby, after the game, said, well, you know, I, I wanted to stay out there, but they just they still wouldn't let me. Because remember how before he, he didn't want to pitch the next year, now he wants to pick. He came out and said, I wanted to go deeper. They wouldn't let me. But, of course, he did, and he won seven. Seven innings. You got a lead. 85 pitches. Man, you're cruising. Let's go, baby. And what do they do? They take him out. And here comes Munoz to pitch the 85. Do you? Does anybody really think that's a big workload, 85 pitches? It's at the end of the year. I mean, 
Okay, you said it's early in the year, middle of the year. You make an excuse of why we can't have guys pitch. Yeah. I, I right? Thought, 85 pitches at the beginning of the year, what do they say? They can't let them go that long. Why? It's early in the season. So at the end of the year? Arm fatigue. I mean, we've got an <laughs> excuse for every reason. It's like an excuse train. Like we're pulling up the excuse train. Here it comes to the station. We've got an excuse for every time of the year why guys can't pitch. Yeah, it's it's getting worse. Like yeah. you think a guy's tired at eighty-five pitches? Late in the season. No. I was. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You play once every five days. You've only thrown eighty-five pitches. I mean, I, we've seen guys get pulled less pitches. Oh, we've seen guys pulled with sixty. I mean. And if you're working once every five or six days and you only have, like, 70 pitches, how are you really getting better at your craft? You're not. It'd be like us doing a show for, like, 25 minutes. So Ace like, Cast Live, 25 minutes. All right, got to go. See you later. Yeah. Workload, workload, load management. It's the end of the season. We can't do a full show. My voice, my voice, my voice. Speaking of that last show on the field today. Dude. I'm about to go do a pregame show. Then later, two and a half, three hours from now, I'm doing a postgame show that I'll probably go another hour and a half. I work I work more than the players do. How disgusting is that? My day is more strenuous than these guys. Uh, they took some BP. They took some BP. It's like basketball. They, they put some shots up for the game. Okay. So. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I'm come, come see us in the treehouse tomorrow. I'm going to come back and another successful year on the field. This year is fi- it right This here. season five. Well, we did 2020, no, so season four. We're on 2020. Well, not here. I'm in on the field. Oh, yeah. 19, 21, We 22. did all 60 yeah. games in yeah. 2020. I was, I was exhausted after that. That was a rough year. <laughs> That's why I, I go off on people that say that, oh, 2020 didn't matter. If you knew what it took to put on 2020 and you knew what yeah. we had to do with <laughs> yeah. the players that, I mean, I, you, you, you don't get it. You just you just don't. Talk about not seeing the forest through the trees. We want to thank Scott Emerson, who is committed now to being on in the postseason. Joe Boyle. Like me some Joe Boyle. He was very good. How do you not root for the Notre Dame? You like Notre Dame or Ohio State? Notre Dame. No. Mm. This went, is you know not, Notre Dame. This is not Ohio State's best. No. Notre and Dame. by the way, any NFL GMs watching out, out there and you want a little tip from Uncle Tony, don't ever draft an Ohio State quarterback. Ooh. They're, well, they're 0-6 right now. You tell me. You tell me what great Ohio State quarterback I'll sit here and wait. In the history, the history of the national Football League. Give me the great Ohio State quarterback. Still early, but Joe Burrow's trending in a good direction. Uh, Joe Burrow <laughs> was drafted out of LSU. But he went to Ohio I, State. I'm waiting. Arch Schleister, <laughs> the gambler, Arch Schleister. Craig Krenzel. Uh, give me the great Ohio State quarterback. Kirk I'm Herbstein. waiting. Oh, Herbie's had a great career. <laughs> where, where, oh, where are Troy we? Troy Smith. Where? Well, give me one. My ex-high school teammate, Terrell Pryor. <laughs> TP. Free him. Great Raider. No, he wasn't. Give me the great Ohio State quarterback. Irish. Are we going to have football picks? I mean, Dallas Braden, we got to get Dallas on. He's DraftKings. Yeah, we'll, we could give our uh, – we could do. We could, we could. can make our own picks once baseball season's over. Cause All right. 
Yeah, we I got to go. uh, What's the score, Niner game? Three. It was 3-3 three, three when I last looked. 3-3? Three, three? Yeah. <laughs> you said the Niners were going to blow them out. They were like a 10.5-point favorite, I think. Phil Simms is not walking through that door. Neither is Steve Young. Y.A. Tittle. <laughs> you want to go about great giant quarterbacks? John Brody walking through those doors. Oh, that's Niners. I know. You want to go great? Eli. Eli? You're, uh, he's on the Manning cat. Kurt Warner. Giants quarterback, Kurt Warner. Wow, I didn't think you were going to. Danny Cannell. <laughs> um, Jeff Hostetler. I was thinking of him, too. The Haas. Raider great, but giant great Jeff Hostetler. Not David, not Derek, but David Carr. David Carr. <laughs> yeah, I go back to the Y.A. Tittle with the great New York Giants. Where's uh, 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 Danny, um, not Meredith. Um, what's his name? Out of SC, married to Kelly Lee. Uh, Gifford, Frank Gifford. Oh, God. <laughs> the GIF, Frank Gifford. You want to go great? Yeah. Oh, no. We're Sam Huff, the Hall of Fame linebacker for the New York Giants. Quickly, because I know we got about nine minutes. Who was the last quarterback other than Eli Manning to take the Giants to the Super Bowl? To the Super Oh, uh, Kerry Collins out of? Penn State. He's a Penn State guy. All right. Uh, Scott Emerson, Joe Boyle, Clay Wood, our last show on the field. Thank you, everybody. We're not saying goodbye because we don't go away. These guys all go away because they're soft. We don't go away. We go all year long. Tomorrow in the Treehouse, come see us. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. Coming up next, A's Total Access brought to you by Chevron. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You've got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts. Anything you need for summer, they have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.